0: you're about to hear opinions that you may like. Then again, you might hear some that offend you. We don't apologize for that. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. We hear it a lot, tough decisions have to be made when recognized human liberties, constitutional rights, and the desire to protect the health of people in a community collide. And for the most part, tough decisions has meant, at least in the media and government's eyes, issuing orders to shut down businesses, schools, churches, and other houses of worship. But what about the tough decision to tell government no? Is that an option? I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us on American Viewpoints. Joined now by David Claussen from the Family Research Council. And David, what caught my eye was the research in the paper that you co-wrote called, very simply, It is time for churches to reopen, and you're dealing with both theological and legal implications of churches being shut down or other houses of worship being shut down. Really, there are two separate questions here. One, should churches stay open, and what kind of authority should government have to make that decision for churches? So we're talking about the government's role in this, correct?
1: Well, that's right, and I appreciate you having me on the show, Mike, and uh, these are really important questions that you're asking that I know pastors and ministers all over the country have been wrestling with now uh, for months. And so I want to be clear, and I try to say this in the paper uh, that you referenced, is there is no one-size-fits-all prescription. Uh, These these are difficult uh, decisions that each minister, each elder board, each deacon body is having to make Um, But I just want to preface my my comments by saying, you know, when this pandemic broke out in March uh, of last year, uh, 99% of churches within a couple of weeks in March uh, ceased in person worship. Uh, And so this narrative that's out there that churches are trying uh, purposely to uh, go against the, the mayors and governors of their states is simply not true. However, as the pandemic wore on and as stay at home orders were lifted, it became very clear uh, that churches were not being treated equally. In fact, Mike, uh, one important stat that I point out in the paper is even as of two weeks ago, uh, there are six states, including the District of Columbia, uh, that are treating churches uh, differently than any other sort of business or, or entity and are having numerical caps on who can gather for worship. And so I think that's when you're seeing blatant discrimination. Now, the Supreme Court has recognized this uh, specifically in the the case from New York, Cuomo versus the Archdiocese of Brooklyn. I think that's where when we see blatant forms of discrimination against churches, uh, that's where we have an issue. And of course, we can get into the theological rationale as well, but I think that's how we should be at least framing the discussion.
0: Before we do get into the theological, let me ask you about some of the pushback I've heard to what you're saying, and that is, well, in some of these areas, it's just a blanket shutdown order. Just a few essential places like grocery stores or whatever are left open, but if the rules apply to everybody, why shouldn't they apply to a church as well? I mean, a gym has to shut down, so why shouldn't a church? Because they're both places where people gather and come in close contact.
1: Right, and those were the conversations that we were having in April, May, and June, I think there was some validity. Again, when when we we were calling it the novel coronavirus, we, we didn't know what this virus was. Uh, the predictions were that tens of millions of people could die, and when those uh, when when these uh, conversations were happening again, ninety nine percent of churches ceased in person gatherings, uh, and churches pivoted very quickly, and I, I applaud. Uh, pastors all over the country who were able to quickly transition to live streaming services. We saw churches uh, do drive-in worship services. It was really inspiring how creative ministers were uh, to make sure they were still serving their congregations and churches. Uh, But again, what we saw in June and July is we saw casinos, uh, liquor stores, uh, abortion clinics begin reopening, uh, and mayors and governors, especially in blue states, seemed fine with that. But they continue to tell churches to stay closed. I think that's where uh, we have the main issue with the the discrimination and the unfair treatment.
0: We're visiting with David Claussen, the Director of Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview at the Family Research Council. Do these orders, even if they're in the name of public health, do they collide with a recognized constitutional right in this country? And if so, should we limit that First Amendment right at all in the fear of a pandemic?
1: Well, that, that's a good question. It's the question now that's gone before the Supreme Court multiple times, and even uh, over the summer, uh, there was a, a case uh, from Nevada a church sued the uh, governor of Nevada because he was allowing casinos to open up to a uh, 50% capacity, meaning uh, tens of thousands of people could go into these very large casinos where churches were held. I believe it was uh, at most uh, 50 people. And then the, in October, uh, the governor raised it to 250 uh, people. And again, it was Neil Gorsuch who said, um, you know, it seemed that entertainment uh, was being privileged over religion. I think it was Justice Kavanaugh who said, it's, you know, the Constitution doesn't give a right for people to play craps and blackjack, but it does give us the right to practice our religion. And so in this country, we, we have a First Amendment that protects the free exercise of religion. And uh, I think that, uh, unfortunately, there's been some politicians who have lost sight of that and have taken advantage of this pandemic to go after uh, churches and houses of worship But thankfully, again, Mike, uh, the Supreme Court uh, since November uh, has increasingly sided with houses of worship.
0: For those who are listening who were not church-going people, maybe they're not of any particular faith, why should they care whether churches uh, go to battle legally with the government regarding whether or not they can open up or not?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and I define religious freedom or religious liberty as the freedom to believe what you want and to align your life in accordance with those beliefs. And so religious freedom is something uh, that benefits everybody. Within the First Amendment, it protects religion, it protects speech. And I think all of us as Americans should want to be able to order our lives in accordance with our deeply held uh, beliefs. And for millions and millions of Americans uh, who are guided by their faith, uh, gathering uh, for worship, uh, for the preaching of God's word, uh, for the ordinance or sacraments, is an absolute essential part of their life, and that's why you, you've been hearing pastors say that church is essential. And for many Americans of faith, uh, church is essential uh, to their lives.
0: Let's get into the theological question. I grew up in church; my dad was a pastor. And what we're talking about right now was was always a hypothetical back in the seventies, eighties, and even nineties. You know, if government ever ordered this, but the th- feeling was, well, that will never happen in America. And here we are. And I understand the different congregations will have different viewpoints on it, but do churches, in your view, have a theological mandate to continue their ministry, to continue worship, even if the government says you're not allowed to right now?
1: I believe they do, and for Christians uh, who who study the Bible and study Scripture, uh, Romans 13 is the passage that many of us go to, And, and Romans 13, the Apostle Paul actually does teach uh, that governing authorities have authority that's been given to them by God. So as Christians, we're not thumping our nose at, at the government because we actually believe we put government on the uh, in a high uh, high place. We believe that government is instituted by God. However, uh, God has given uh, the government a special sphere of influence. It was Abraham Kuyper who said that you know the government has one sphere, the church has one sphere. Um, so yes, government has a prescribed sphere of influence or authority for social order, for keeping the peace, uh, but it has been not given jurisdiction over the doctrine, over the faith and practice, or over the liturgy of the church. You see this in the book of Acts in Acts five, when the authorities uh, in the early church uh, told uh, the apostles to stop preaching. And what was their response? Well, they said, we must obey God rather than man. And so my advice to uh, pastors for the last several months is obey the authorities, uh, if at all possible, However, when they begin uh, overstepping their bounds into the domain that's been given to the pastors and to the elders of the church, uh, that's where we have an issue.
0: All right, David, you can find the article at FRC. It's just FRC.org, correct?
1: Yes, FRC.org. You can find all of our resources and at FRC.org slash reopen is where you can read this paper about the legal and theological implications of these uh issues that we've been discussing.
0: All right, David, thanks so much for the time. This is such a fascinating and important discussion that I don't think a lot of people are putting in the proper context in our media and government discussions right now.
1: I agree, and I hope this paper at least contributes to the conversation.
0: All right, and uh, once again, thank you for the time, David Claussen from Family Research Council. Still ahead here, Big Tech. Its role in our culture in politics is under a lot of scrutiny right now, and rightfully so. So where do you go when you believe that you're being silenced for wrong thing, at least in the eyes of the technical elite? Well, there is a new market-based pushback that's being built right now. That information is just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph when Blam! Ran right into
1: the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive.
0: Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.